Let's get this podcast going. I ran into today's guest in the most beautiful way. Noah Cyrus and today's guest, Lou Alshamar, reached out to me because they like Midnight Gospel, and I was invited on to their amazing podcast, In My Feels. And during this conversation I got to have with Noah Cyrus, who is amazing, you got to listen to her music. It's so good. I was nervous. I, I'm not, you know, I'm not uh, immune to the power of celebrity, and especially when celebrity and talent intersect. And also during this conversation, I got to hear some of today's guests' amazing philosophy and realize, oh, fuck, this is like a high-level manifester. This is somebody who is really smart and is using, you know, it depends on what you want to call it. You want to go Harry Potter, you can call it magic. You want to go Tony Robbins, you could say he, he's an entrepreneur. There's really no difference. But regardless, sometimes when you get to get a download from people like this, it really kind of like, it's like getting a chiropractic adjustment for your energy form. And I hope that today's conversation does the same for you, that my recent bout with overdosing on magnesium did for my bowels, except instead of causing you to have explosive bowel movements for about a day, it clears whatever blockages might be getting in the way of your ability to grow the kind of garden of phenomena that you want to have flourishing around you. Everybody, please welcome to the Duncan Trussell Family Hour Podcast, Lou Al-Shema. Dr. Trussell Family, our podcast. How are you today? I am honored and awesome. I'm feeling unbelievably good. A little nervous, I'm not going to lie. Hey, that's an honor. I'm honored by your nervousness. You know, I'm a little nervous too. You know, I you y'all approach me uh, for your awesome podcast and your feels. Uh, and, you know, I it was such a great conversation that we had. And then... Uh, in the midst of it, I realized, oh, cool. Like you're, you, I don't know if you would call yourself this, but I, I love, like many of the people I have on my podcast, they practice magic. Yes. And would you consider yourself like, is it too oh. cheating to say that you're, you, you practice magic? No, I, 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 I don't know. It's difficult to say. I mean, I, I feel like I'm always practicing, but I'm always just myself. So this is always me all the time. So mm. I guess, I, I don't know. I, I don't think I would separate it as a practice. I think it's more as a, just a way of living. Gotcha. Okay, cool. You know, it, it's all semantics, really. But the, the, so before we dive into the philosophy part, though, uh, let's just do the grounding stuff. Yeah. Speaking of nervousness, you know, I start researching you. Yes. And, uh, whoa, you're the guy. You're the man. You're the guy. Like, <laughs> you're the guy who, uh, like, in the dream of singers. Yes. Um, so basically, I mean, I, I do many things as my manifestations because I'm, I'm from a background. I mean, you know, my mom was a single parent um, up, up until I was uh, 12. You know, we were raised on welfare. There was five. Mm. My, my mom was uh, there was five of us. Um, so I'd always had a, a street hustler mentality. 
So you never really did one thing. You always did many things because if yes. one revenue stream broke down, you had 20 others that were kind yep. of picking up the pieces. And I've kind of adopted that moving to LA as you do. Um, and, you know, so, uh, you know, I started off in music. I actually started off as an electrician, qualified electrician. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. So when you, uh, you know, when you start off, you know, you know, your mom's like, go make some money. You're like, okay, cool. Let me go study to be an electrician. And I, this shit is actually fucking hard. Oh yeah. Like, like I had to do maths. Like I, I dropped out of school when I was 16. I didn't do it. I hated that shit, but I had to retake them to, to, to do the electrical. And I passed that shit. And I was like, this is actually pretty good. Where did you study to be an electrician? It's, um, it's, it was in Islington college, which is like North London. Of all the jobs. There's a few that terrify the shit out of me. Pilot, scuba instructor, and electrician. Mm-hmm. You know, there's other ones too, because you can really, that's one where you can die. There's a lot that you could die. I guess construction worker, but ele- something about just that possibility. You know, I, I hung a light the other day and I remember <laughs> like just treating it. I felt like I was working in a nuclear reactor, just this sense of like at any second, you could just go into your next incarnation. Zap, you're gone. Yes. Yeah. So um, that's why I quit because um, I got electrocuted on, I switched off some power oh, and I didn't realize it was an emergency power light switch. And I was on a ladder and I got, and I got, I was held on, I fucking held on for, for dear life. Uh, my brother was there too. He, so basically you're supposed to kick someone off the ladder if you see them, but he thought I was joking. So uh, it felt like an eternity of time, but it was probably about three seconds. Uh, what did it feel like? I, it felt like I've never felt every cell in my body vibrate. But at the same time, like you're actually going to die. It was, and it was, it was um, emergency power too. So it's way stronger than the than, than normal voltage. How long do you get, uh, how long before you would have, have a heart attack or, or what is it that kills you from I, being electrocuted? I don't even know, to be honest. I just, I know to wear the rubber boots. <laughs> yeah and then, and then try and let go um i know the safety procedures like don't touch anyone like basically poke them with a stick yeah um or those type of things but uh but yeah i let go and i just went i basically swore at my brother and was like fuck you and i'm, I'm out and I, I pretty much quit that day great decision yes um and then i started kind of you know i'd always send demos around or of, of people i was managing at the time and I was hustling and I managed to get an internship at um, a record league, which was RCA. Um, and I worked there for free for about 12 months. And I was like, I had to give up my side hustles, but I was still doing the part-time electrical stuff. Yeah. It was three days there and four days at the label. Um, and then from that, I kind of transitioned full-time into the A&R point, which would be the point between the artist and the label. So A&R. So right. I'd sign artists and pair them with great producers and songwriters and, and, you know, strategize when to release them and just basically try and have hits. Listen, this is fascinating because like, you know, you're, you said, I want to jump back for, for a second before you made your first big move. So you, how did you, who was your first artist that you worked with? I mean, there was tons, so many. There was an artist called Chipmunk, which was, it sounds funnier than it is, but he's actually a rap artist. He's actually a pretty dope rapper. Um, and I was managing at the time I was doing the label and managing. So I had this songwriter show up and hand me a CD. This kind of young black kid. He was incredible. And he was 17 and he handed me a CD where he was country, rock, pop, um, R and B blue, all that, all on one CD. Um, and there was one song that we did that we actually ended up playing to the artist chipmunk. And I remember I pitched it to another artist who turned it down. 
and um, it ended up coming out and going straight to number one. Whoa. Yeah. So it went to number one and I was like, holy shit, I can do this. How old were you at the time? Oh, shit. I mean, 21. Damn. That's yeah. insane. Yeah. I mean, that's crazy. When I was 21, I was like, I was, I was like in an ambient haze. I wasn't literally, but you know, I didn't know what I, I certainly didn't have the wherewithal that I would, A, have the guts to like even represent anybody. I mean, were you going to shows all the time? You're an electrician, you're going to shows. I'm just saying, what's the point where you're like, I'm going to start repping people? Just because, I mean, at the time I was dating a singer. Um, yeah. And so I was always kind of involved in the music side of it. I just knew that I had to make money. So gotcha. my side hustles made me money so I could focus on doing what I wanted to do. Um, but yeah, but that, that number one came, came pretty easy. But I mean, still at 21, I look back now, I was like, I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. I don't think, I, I mean, I, no one knows what they're doing, not even now. Um, and it was just, I just kept learning. And I, and I learned very early on in music, it's, it's usually first name dot second name at company.com. Right. And then I was like, fuck, I can reach the whole planet. Right. So I would call email like random fucking top executives and they would email me back because I was sending good shit. Shit. This is, I mean, it's crazy. Also, you were like, it, it seems like, and we don't have to get into that part of it because it's all over the internet. It seems like you got pulled into this updraft, man. You were like, you know, touring around with a very, very famous person. <laughs> and like, you seem like at that age, to, you, you just, it seems like a lot it was a, um, a lot happened at once. It seems I mean, it, it was a whirlwind. I mean, I can't dive too much into that legally. Um, no reason to. I'm, that's not what this podcast is yeah, like. No, absolutely. But um, but you know, I could I I can trace back my thoughts and feelings and emotions as being a 21 year old. I was conflicted as fuck. Like I was. A, it was a whirlwind, and that's exactly what my life was then. Um, but you know, I loved it. I loved the the journey. I loved the learning. I'm I'm always consistently learning. That's one thing I've always been aware of. Um, you mean, you're learning in the sense of like, you're just all, you always have something you're working on to try to teach yourself. You're, I, I just approached it honestly. Like I'd be in the studio with fucking like when I was 22 and with Justin Timberlake and fucking all these people. And I'd be like, holy shit. And I wouldn't be like, you know, yo, Justin, can you put me up? It would be like, yo, how are you? Right. And they'd invite me to their birthdays. And then we start hanging out. And I was right. like, I was just a, a, just a, a guy in the studio who was happy to be there. Right. Not trying to get anything from anyone. And, and. I ended up making all these friends who ended up becoming some of the biggest songwriters and producers in the world who still are consistently. Right. Um, and we kind of all came up together. Um, but I mean, like, you know, I used to sleep on couches. I used to, all that whole struggle is, is beyond and more. And I love that struggle. Like yeah. I, fucking, I worship it. I love it so much. Me too. You made the decision in your mind. I made the decision in my mind. I'm just not going to do the normal thing. Yeah. Like I don't care what, I, I, you know, some people I think just, I think they, it sounds fatalistic, but they decide, look, if I, if this, I'll just die. If this doesn't work, I don't, the, there isn't, this is just what I'm going to do. And then if it works out, great, great. But if it doesn't, well, at least I died trying, trying to, you know, get beyond like the normal kind of possibilities that are presented to you when you're a kid in high school, you know, when they do the exam where, I don't know if you took that test to see what you'd be proficient at. Uh, you know, that thing, the job test. And it's like, oh, you'd, you'd be a good manager at yeah. a company. Not, a, not like a manager, but, you know, you'd be like a good like manager at a Walmart or something like that. You're like, I'm, fuck that. I'm not doing that. We don't have those tests. We don't. There is no. Um, it's funny because, I mean, I didn't I didn't take my. So when you uh, I guess when you're 10, you take an exam which pre 
predetermines where which classes you're going to be in the upper school, which is from uh, 11 to 16. And I didn't take those exams. So I was always put in the lower classes. For, so throughout my whole secondary school, I was always in lower classes. And then when, when you finally went for your exams, they were like, the highest you can get is a C. Even if you get 100% right, it's a C. I'm like, what the fuck am I doing here? Right. Um, and everyone celebrated getting their results. I was like, fuck this. I'm trying to make some money. Yeah. Um, were you making mon- music at the time? Did you, did you, were you? Yeah. So w- when I was in school, I had a, I was, a, I used to work in a printing firm. So I used to print magazines and you know, there was this whole, I don't know if you remember, but there was this massive story of, you know, celebrities aren't how they look. They're retouched and all that. The story came out. We were part of that. Oh. We were the company that would retouch the images if there was a wrinkle, if there was a sagging fucking ass, if there was, you know, a, a boob that wasn't pushed up. We would do all of that shit. And, um, and I loved it. I could, I could take apart a printing machine and put it back together. No training. It's just shit I had to learn because the company was so cheap. We had to c- repair the machines ourselves. Um, and I loved it. And I was making, I don't know, 200 bucks a weekend at like 14 um, I was working from the age of 12. So I was making about 40 bucks a weekend from 12. Wow. Um, and I, in, in school, I was balling. Like it was like lunch on me, whatever you guys want. We're good. But I still got free dinners, you know, cause we were, you know, I wouldn't say we were poor, but we were, I mean, we were pretty poor. Yeah. Know? So you get free dinners and I used to love, I used to walk in there, head held high, give me my free dinner ticket. I'll get my meal and my, my juice carton. I used to love that shit. So even back then you had this attitude, like even back then, you were, you were, you were, you had figured out a way to do this kind of alchemy that converts whatever the experience may be, even if it's a kind of experience that would be mortifying for some people into something that isn't bad at all. Yeah. I think, I think because we had no choice, we had to, you know, I, you know, I had, I had younger brothers, I had older brothers. I, we, we took care of each other. We had all brothers, all brothers. Yeah. Wow. Same dad? Uh, no. So, uh, I mean, none of our dads stuck around. So, um, my, I guess my biological dad, there's three of us. Um, then there's, um, one with someone else who didn't stick around. And then there's another one who, yeah. So three, three, I guess three different dads. Um, and then my stepdad had a son too. Um, so there's, I think there's now six of us. I don't mean to get all deep and psychological. I love it. This is what we do. How do you think that, you know, I, my, my mom was married three times, divorced twice. And sometimes I wonder like, man, how did, how does that affect a kid? You know, you know, how did, how do you think that affected you being in a big family going through the, it's not just like our parents, like just casually get divorced or casually meet new people. I mean, it's like, that's a lot of drama, man. How, how do you think that affected you? You know what's funny though? I mean, we, we, it was just us though. So it sounds like a big family, but there was no extended grandparents. There was no, my mom was raised in an orphanage. So there wasn't any extension. It was just us. So we had just us and we didn't really, I mean, there'd be boys would be boys, but the, the rule would be not, you're not allowed to hit in the face if you had a fight. Body shots are okay. The face is off. <laughs> Who made that rule? Your mom? No, we did. Okay, that was just agreed upon. You can hit each other in the body. You're not going to have no face punches. That's yeah. awesome. But we, uh, I don't know. I mean, uh, looking back now, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I can look at it back now with happiness. But now having a daughter, I think it affects me more having a daughter now. Because if I've seen some, sh- like some shit. So, 
but when you're in it you don't know that it's shit you know i used to live by a place called murder miles which which was literally people teenagers would get stabbed or killed just coming out of your house it was a whole road where countless murders would happen so there was a weird energy around that place but it was home so you you didn't separate yourself from it you were it right um you know you'd leave school and there'd be people waiting outside trying to rob you so it was um you'd have to figure out different ways to go to school because you know that certain times those people would be hanging around that time um but it, it wasn't it wasn't like it was a scare thing it wasn't an attract i don't know it was, it was a weird thing now i i know the attraction to it um but i mean before we get deep into the, the, the whole consciousness thing i always knew i wanted more so i'd walk past you know nice cars and be like uh, you know i want that I'm going to have that. Or I'd walk past nice houses. I'd be like, I, I, one day I'm going to have one of those or whatever. It's not, I, I'm not a materialistic guy now because I don't give a fuck about that. I think that's why I attract it so well. Um, but, but I always believed there was so much more and I wasn't hap- I wasn't prepared to just lay down and, and die because there was no, there was no option for that. Did, was it like, did you have a sense inside of you? In other words, you, it wasn't just like you had desire. Was it like, did you have a sense, like you already kind of knew that you were going to figure out a way to achieve that level of success, even though you might not have understood the path you were going to take to get there? Or were you just like, I want that and I'll figure it out? I don't know if that's a great question. I'm just saying like, seems like some people, they just sort of know, mm-hmm. just kind of already know it's going to happen. It's, it's strange because now I can look back and, and say that I knew. I wasn't aware of the knowing, but I, I knew I'd look up at the stars and I'd be like, what the fuck is out there? Or the moon on a full moon and be like, well, who the, is, is there someone fucking up there? Is there life on other planets? Is there any of that type of stuff? Um, and, and I would always believe that there was. And I think that's what kind of kept edging me towards the spiritual tip of, you know, I know about responsibility. You know, I had to raise my younger brothers, um, you know, bath them, change them, feed them. all that, And I loved it. And I loved it. And being the middle child, that kind of, that taught me so much responsibility. So I always felt I was ahead of the curve because of that. What did your mom do? Uh, my mom, my mom was a cleaner. Gotcha. So she would take us to all her cleaning jobs, which we loved because she'd be in these nice apartments and we'd be running around the house, be like, fuck. And we were kids and we'd be like, look at this, look at this TV, look at, you know, all that type of shit. We used to, um, we used to have a rental TV. So, you know, when you get a TV and you put like a, a money in the TV, no. Uh, so what? that yeah so you can rent a tv basically what yeah so you didn't if you didn't have the money to pay up front you could rent the tv so you'd put the coins in and they'd come and collect the coins which would be the money for the tv your tv was like a a, a slot machine or something yeah. like that we had a um we had a payphone too because i mean we'd always be calling girls and shit my mom was like fuck this the bill is too high so we'd have to go and change up money and put coins in and in your house yes yes Holy shit. I've never heard of that. That is no. the, how long do you get for like a quarter on a TV? Not very long, especially calling a cell phone from a, from a landline. No, for the TV. What's a quarter get you? I don't even know. I, I can't even remember. Wow. Look, I'm getting too in the details here. I'm just, you just blew my mind. That's like, a that is a Mandela effect thing. Like that's an alter, you come from an alternate dimension, friend. I don't even know if those exist in this timeline, but that is wild. So the TV was free. It's like, here, we're going to bring this to your house, mm-hmm. but you're going to, and then some guy would come over once a week or once a month and empty yeah. it. And collect the money. Yeah. And that would be the, you paying rental for the TV. And when you finish, you take, they take the TV back. 
That is the trippiest thing ever. Okay, so you suddenly have just trampolined out of uh, a, a childhood where, you know, if people are placing bets on what your what what an average future is going to be, just based on statistics and stuff, I don't know that people are going to be putting money on you. And especially if it's like, you know, this guy is going to become the guy, you know, like that, that is, to me, it's just, it's a beautiful story. So suddenly you find yourself swept in to this wild world and you're young. And I, I don't mean to be negative here, but how did you keep from killing yourself? It, I mean, it was, it was tough. I didn't, you know, the, the, the press are constantly hounding you. I was not that guy. I've never been that guy. Um, I've always you liked press. You no, mean I hated them. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, they, uh, the, the twisting, the, 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 you know, the, the freedom of speech is so twisted now that nothing is ever freedom of speech. It's kind of the freedom of misinterpretation. Right. Um, so I'd always learned, very, I, but to be honest, I never trusted anyone anyway. I mean, being from where I'm from, you don't trust no one. Um, right. And that kind of helped me. And now I trust everyone because I have no reason not to right. I trust myself. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a whirlwind. It was a great journey. It was, um, it's character building for sure. But to be honest with you, I mean, when I worked at that printing firm as a tea boy per se, you know, you'd make teas for people, you go and get food for people. I was bullied like fuck. Like I was bullied so much and I used to be so quiet. And then one day I turned around and I, I looked at the guy, I mean, and I'm swearing so much, but that's kind of my character. Um, and I turned around to the guy bullying me and I said, fuck you, leave me alone. Yeah. And he stopped. And I was like, holy shit, I have a voice. Right. And I, I must have been 15, 14, 15. And I was like, wow. And since then, I've always used my voice. I speak my truth. And I'm like, say exactly what I want and how I want it. Um, within reason, obviously. Um, and that was kind of the turning point, which led me. But I realized like business is all the same, man. It's just a, it's, I, call, I call it myself now the honest hustle. Um, and I was always an honest businessman and yeah. it's the same principles, you know, you buy phones on the street, you sell them, you buy them half the price, you sell them for more to whoever, right. You buy, you know, fake watches, you sell them for more, you buy, you know, I used to sell, uh, trainers from, from, um, China just to pay the rent. So, you know, I'd figure out where the fuck factories were that made Nikes and they'd always make overages. So like, say Nike would put an order in for a million shoes and they'd do like 1.2. Cause you know, some of the pairs would be little messed up or an air bubble would be would be popped and i got in contact with those people who knew those people so i used to order shoes for like dirt cheap and sent to my house and then i'd sell them for like just under asking price and that shit paid for my rent for years wow um, yeah this is so cool man this thing why is it i mean i remember on the school bus there was always that kid who brought the candy in the box mm -hmm. and would sell the candy and that kid was loaded yeah. and i would always just think like and also you couldn't there was a, everyone wanted to do it, but since he was the candy kid on the bus and he'd sort of asserted himself as that, it wasn't like he would get you if you brought your own candy and kids would try. Yeah. They would bring their shitty boxes, but he, he had the best candy, the most variety, you know, and he would get, I would, I would just look and think, why am I not doing that? Yeah. How it can't be that easy. But what do you think that is that? Some people figure that out and some people don't. Some people figure out this, this world that we're living in right now, for better or for worse, it's designed. The whole system is designed so that you can do exactly that thing you're talking about, which is find a thing and sell it for a little bit more and make a profit 
why do some people end up just not ever doing that? Always getting, you know, there's just some people I, I in my family, you know, my, my folks were kind of where they weren't entrepreneurs. What do you, why do you think some people don't believe that that's even possible for them or what, what makes some people take the leap into that level of uh, experimentation when it comes to commerce and business? A tremendous thank you to the buzzing geniuses that dwell in the techno hive that is Squarespace. You want to talk about a silver lining related to this pandemic? I guess if there is one, it's that we're all beginning to realize that we do not have to necessarily get our meat bodies together if we want to have successful businesses. We don't have to be centralized, localized. We don't have to be tethered anymore to our particular office buildings. Whatever our central locus of work was. Some of us do, but some of us are akin to fishermen who drift upon a technological sea and we no longer have to go to a specific pier or island place to fish. In fact, we can make the entire planet our favorite fishing spot. And the way to do that is to build a website. It's the first step. In the old days, if you wanted to build a website, you would have to generally hop on a railroad car which would take you to the website district of your particular town you'd end up getting taken in more than likely by a pseudo web designer who would charge you so much money to make a website that at the end of it you would inevitably find yourself out of a house out of a job you'd probably be in a divorce because you, you basically threw everything you had into a charlatan's web design scheme And there's lots of people right now who are clinically insane because of the trauma they experience for being flabbergasted by a pseudo web designer back in the 90s. There's many people who clawed their own eyes out in frustration. But thank God that we don't have to do that anymore thanks to the insanely advanced web design technology that you're going to find over at squarespace.com. You want to build a website in a matter of minutes you can do it at squarespace.com you want something deep complex sensual powerful sublime and extraordinary like my website at duncantrussell.com you can build that too at squarespace they they, they have award-winning templates that you can mix and match they've got shopping cart functionality and it doesn't just stop there it doesn't just stop it's not enough for them to help you easily create a beautiful website but they will help you do your, your mailings, they will design, help you could use the exact same technology to do email campaigns, beautiful email campaigns. You know, sometimes I, I, I'll get an email sent to me from someone who didn't use the Squarespace design engine and I'll look at it, I'll vomit. It's just a, it's just a gut instinctually res, response to, to the foulness of a, of a terrible email. I'll, at first I'll, I'll shriek at the screen like a, a, a ring wraith just encountered light from Gandalf's staff, then I'll vomit because I'm so horrified that anybody would dare fill my sanctified email box with an email that wasn't perfectly designed using Squarespace. And right now you can head over to squarespace.com and give it a shot. See if you like it. See if it makes sense for you. It will. You'll feel a lot like somebody you just realized that they were living in heaven when you start using Squarespace. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code DUNCAN and you're going to get 10% off your first order of a website or a domain. Again, head over to squarespace.com. 
Try it out. See if it works for you. And if you like it, use offer code Duncan and you'll get 10% off your first order of a website or a domain. Thank you, Squarespace. I, I think it's, it's, you know, thoughts, thoughts become things. And I, I didn't know that at the time, but my predominant thought was making money. So the idea of making money would come to me or I'd find it. I'd go search for days and days and days. I used to sit I, like even when before I got a label job, I'd sit in my pajamas on my computer, emailing n- morning, noon and night, thousands of emails. And I'd get rejected from every single one, but there'd be one that would go through. My predominant thought was always not on success, but it was on money. I didn't give a fuck about success. I didn't care if anyone knew who I was or any of that type of shit. I just pay me. Wow. That, that is, I mean, I still have that mentality now because I, I know that money is freedom, especially in today's society. I mean, you can, you can live as a Buddhist and, and not, not want to own anything and do any of that type of stuff, which is great. But where I am now is like freedom for me is raising my daughter full time and, and, and doing things like this that I love and can enjoy yeah. loving and not having to do something to, to, to pay the bills and which I, I would do anyway. Um, but I'm now. Tell me about that though. I, this is what I would love to hear. And I think you're the man to clear it up. So many people think that you cannot consider yourself a spiritual person and have as one of your motivations, making money. People think you need, if you're a spiritual person and you've got that mindset, something's something's off. You're supposed to not ever think about that. And I've always found that to be a really like ridiculous expectation that, that spirituality can't intertwine with working in the marketplace. But can you talk about that a little bit? Yes, yeah, so, um, are you aware of Osho? Yeah, absolutely. Fuck yeah. So he's the perfect example of having, being spiritually rich and attracting riches. My, my dude just literally put his hands to his thing, would just be like, hey, everybody. And these, these white people would throw him money, Rolls Royces, helicopters, cars. And he's like, shit, they keep giving it. I'm not asking for it. I'm just open to it. But oh. many people look down on him for that. I mean, that's the first, I remember the whole Osho limo thing, the documentary that came out about him. And that's, you know, that's one of the signs. It's like, hey, your guru's got a fleet of limousines. You better watch out. But see, that's all they had on him. You know, if it wasn't that, it would have been something else. If it wasn't, you know, it was like, I watched that documentary from such a standpoint of a third person. So like that, that, that documentary frustrated me. And everyone's like, well, they were crazy. They poisoned this people. They did this, they did that. And I was like, yeah, but you're missing the point. The point is U.S. society just tried to destroy them because they didn't understand what the fuck they were doing. They were there openly. And again, it was a sex cult. No, people were open to have sex. That's fine. That's not illegal. That's just great. People want to do that. Do it. Free choice. It's free will. This is why the universe gives us is free will. So and, you know, again, I, I think this whole notion of it's the guilt factor of being successful while being spiritual. But again, we have to go back to children. Children don't feel guilt. There's not, there is no guilt. There is, there, it doesn't exist to them. There is selfishness that exists. Oh no, that's mine. That's a natural instinct. So we can, we, we can be selfish and not feel guilty about it. So, and, and I think again, back to that documentary is, you know, he built something so special and I wish he was alive now during that time. Cause I'd be fucking there too. In, in a spiritual sense. Sure. Um, but he, you know, I, I think we can also, it's the Buddhism teaching as well. You know, you have to shun all outside wealth to be spiritually enlightened but, you know, Buddha was a rich man. He was born rich. He was raised in a palace. His dad kept him away from, um, you know, pain and hurt and 
heartbreak and all these things. And, you know, he wanted more because inside he was empty, but he had physical things, anything he ever wanted, escaped the palace, saw homelessness, saw death, saw, and it crushed his soul. That's when the change came, meditated under, I'm just in the short version, meditated under a Bodhi tree, became enlightened, shunned outside wealth to become spiritually rich, enlightened. So everyone now does that practice, but you don't have to. If you're spiritually rich, you automatically attract riches on the outside. And I'm not talking about specifics like Rolls Royces or watches or cars. I'm talking everything that comes with spiritually rich. Mm. Yeah, I, look, I, I'm, I, I am in agreement with you. I've always, you know, because I... Uh, I work with the Love Server Member Foundation, Ram Dass's foundation. And, you know, I like that. That's one of the complaints. Sometimes people will mutter like these retreats, they cost money or where does the money these people? But it's like, these are people. We live in the marketplace. We live in a, no one's photosynthetic. And I don't think there should be any shame in having the desire for freedom and the kind of freedom that you can achieve right now. A big part of that does come from getting paid. And also, I think it's okay to not even, if you want to not even think about it as freedom, because it's just, yeah, maybe you want something. Oh. Maybe you want a really nice house, or maybe you want a Rolex. I don't know what you want, but whatever the thing is you want, you want it. Yeah. And then the story, you know, in Buddhism, there's this term of like add-ons, which is, uh, so, you know, you look at yourself in the mirror and you see a wrinkle and Instead of just thinking there's a wrinkle, you think, fuck, I'm getting old. <laughs> I wonder how long before I start forgetting stuff. And then, holy shit, man, maybe I should get on testosterone boosters or something. Am I okay? You know, I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have done so many drugs when I was a kid. You know, next thing you know, you're in this spiral instead of being like, oh, that's a wrinkle. Similarly, you might just want something. Whatever it is, something that if you tell your sanctimonious fucking spiritual friend, they'll be like, no, 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 that's just of the material world. And it's so, but it's like, well, so are you. Mm -hmm. And so is the desire. So is the thing that popped into your head. And so I am, I'm down. I, I'm a hundred percent down with what you're saying. And I think it's really sad that some people squelch that part of themselves. Yeah. And that, and that, you know, thoughts, feelings become things and that becomes the attraction to it. You know, I, I don't feel guilty for anything that I buy or anything that I, I you know, I, to be honest with you, I don't spend any money on myself. I find it very difficult to yeah. spend money on anything else like house. Yeah. Solar panels, gated property, like my daughter, my wife, take it all. I can't I, I, I can't tell you the last time I bought a pair of shoes or, or, or some clothes or anything. I own one nice watch, one nice bag. And that's it, literally, because I was taught going into a meeting, you need a nice watch and a nice bag. So those were the two things that, that I have. Um, and they're not even that expensive in the grand scheme of things. Um, but anyway, I love it. I love it. That, I'm the same way, man. That's that's a dad. When you become that's the cool thing, is because it's like, my God, you know, before I had before I got married and had a kid, well, okay, I'm not gonna lie, I've bought some synthesizers since, but it's like, you know what I mean? I would you I would you get caught up in buying shit for yourself. And then that's the joy yeah. of having a family. It's just that thing where you're like, Oh yeah, I'm gonna get you a house. I'm going to get the kid one of those like remote control cars he can drive around. And you, and it, because, you know, you go from being a me to a we. Yeah. You know, it is, you're not just an individual anymore. You are this collective of like youth and your wife and whoever else is in your household. And there's a real delight in that, in letting, and I think there is a form of weird renunciation in that too, because really, what do we want? You know what this shirt I'm wearing right now? 
this is my first new shirt in a long time. American <laughs> Apparel, twelve ninety five <laughs> on Amazon. This is seven dollars. Beautiful. <laughs> which, which, which? I always ask the dads, which car remote control control car are you going to get her? Uh, him, sorry. Uh, well, we already got it. Uh, it's a uh, it's a monster truck. There we go. Just because it's hilarious to watch your toddler drive around in a tiny mo monster truck. It's the funniest thing ever because they just, the way they just accept it. They don't know, just like what you're saying. You know, I also, was I, I was not born into wealth. I wasn't, uh, you know, I had the thing happen. You know, this is how you know you're poor when you're a kid. When you ask your parents, I was like, mom, are we rich? Mm -hmm. And my mom's like, we're rich in spirit. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, we're fucking broke. That's not happening. You know yeah. Funny, you know, when I realized we were poor, I was on the bus uh, with me, me and my brothers and my mom. And yeah. A woman sitting next to us, and I heard her talk to her friend, and she goes, These kids smell. And at that point, I was like, Okay. And I didn't tell my mom because my mom would have bitch slapped her. Like, that's the type of my mom was very strong, very strong. Um, and it, and it, it, it kind of affected me. I'm not going to lie. For a very long time, I was sitting there going, Wow, we. You know, I mean, we want my mom. Don't get me wrong. We wanted for nothing. Like every, any, there was food there. We had everything we needed. Like we, we got it. Um, and I remember on every opposite birthday, you'd get vouchers from the government to buy shoes. And I was like, yes. And, and because everyone around you, your friends were poor. Everyone, it was like it was like there was no separation from it. It wasn't like, oh, you know, yeah. over there is there and we're here. No, no, no. We're all in the same boat. Um, but I was like, damn. And I thought about that the other day, actually. And I was like, wow, but I love it. I love the fucking, it, like, I, I feel it. I, like, I love where I came from. And that's some, some part of like, obviously, you know, I don't want my daughter to experience 1% of that. Right. But then like, uh, I still want, I, I don't know. I struggle with like her knowing where I came from without her knowing where I came from. Mm, right. Do you know what I'm saying? I do. It's such a difficult line because like, like, you know, for example, the car I'm going to get is going to be a G-Wagon. Why? Because I've always wanted a fucking G-Wagon and I could afford one now, but I'm, I don't want one. I, I have solar panels now. I'm going to get an electric car. Like that's just beyond me. But, you know, like for her, I, I'm living through her yeah. in, in her youth. I'm, I'm going to get her a train set. It's not for her, really. I love that you're getting it. It's for me. Let's be sick. You know, I, we, I love it. I'll get out, man. I'll be on Amazon <laughs> and I'll be looking at like magnetiles. These, you know what I'm talking about? These things yep. are cool as fuck. I'm looking at them and I'm like, you know, he probably needs more magnetiles. And it's like, come on, you're buying the magnetiles for you. He, you know, we buy him these awesome right now. We've got this awesome wooden, uh, wooden like car track thing. And you, he doesn't put cars on it. You know what he does? He likes to push it around the floor. He doesn't know what it is, but I love that you see it like that. It's a, it's a beautiful form of sharing. Yes. But look, this is, so this is, let's dive into the philosophy now. Can I, can I read you a quote? Can we yes, start please. with a quote? Yes. It's from Osho, actually. One of my favorite books, The Book of Understanding, which fucking has blown my mind. Probably the best book I've ever read in my life. I have not read it, but that'll be next on my list. Good. Trust, like you, you will shit your pants when you read this book. It, Beautiful. Um, it says, I, I do not believe in believing. My approach is to know. And knowing is, is a totally different dimension. It starts from doubt. It does not start from believing. The moment you believe in something, you have stopped inquiring. Belief is one of the most poisonous things to destroy human intelligence. All the, all the religions are based on belief. 
Only science is based on doubt. And I would like the religious inquiry also to be scientific, based on doubt so that we need not believe we can come to know someday the truth of our being and the truth of the whole universe. Wow. And that's the opening page of the book. Holy shit. Yes. Wow. But, you know, I, what I love about that is he allows doubt into the equation. Because mm-hmm. that to me is really a, you know, a lot of times people think if they're doubting something's wrong, especially when it comes to manifestation. You know, there's this idea that if you find yourself in a doubtful mindset, then that that actually could potentially push away some of the things you want. So how do you move from doubt to knowing? What is that process for you? Questions. Questioning the doubt until it becomes a knowing. Okay, so let, let's bring it into like, so what's an exi- What's the last thing you doubted that you started questioning? I don't know. I mean, like uh, I was living in a two bedroom apartment probably a month before my daughter was born. Um, and I was like, fuck this. I need to get out. I need a, I need a house. I need some space. Um, I didn't doubt. Wow, well, I, I probably did. I started looking at a bunch of places. We put a bunch of offers in. We didn't get it. And then we, we looked out where we are now and, and we put an offer in. We got it. But getting the mortgage process was a fucking pain. Holy shit. I had to go through two full mortgage processes. I didn't, I don't know if I doubted. I stressed a lot about getting the house. So again, on the manifestation tip, you can stress and it doesn't mean it's not coming to you. But my, my I, I don't know. I probably doubted probably 5%, but my stress for getting it outweighed the yeah. actual doubt. Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't really doubt things anymore. I don't. I, you mean you were doubting whether you could get that loan? Yes. I, I was just because of the paperwork and, and everything else that had to come with it. I had to take a higher rate. Like uh, I had to do all that type of stuff just to jump through the hoops. Oh, it's insane. I mean, they, it's like, they, they basically like take your balls and shine a flashlight under your ball. Like they don't give it. It's ever, they look at, I mean, who could blame them? You're about to give somebody a shit ton of money. I thought, you know, I mean, you're like, I get it. Like you want to make sure there's no skeletons in the closet, but they check every fucking closet, man. I understand. But so during that process, you're like, I don't know, maybe this won't happen. Maybe this won't happen. And, and to be honest, we, this is how close it was. Like it was, it was the due date and we moved in. Wow. Um, and we moved in and, and I prayed, I said, baby, please be late. I, I, I've never like said that shit. I was like, please, it's not the right time. Let me get my shit together. Let at least get the furniture in. And the baby came one week later. Wow. How was your wife handling that, man? Like, man, that's like, she's got her nesting. She wants to nest. Y'all are going through a loan process. That's intense. My wife's a hustler like me. She gets it. She's, she's like, I mean, women are the strongest beings on earth factually and this is why you know uh, before we dive in fully on the whole manifestation tip um you know my theory is you know you look at every religion and every belief system always paints women as second class Mm -hmm. always as behind because i feel spiritually very early on from adam and eve days from whenever you know we condemned a woman who ate the fruit of knowledge how the fuck can you condemn anyone who ate knowledge right um, so spiritually speaking, men have always put women secondary because women are spiritually more in, in tune with the universe because they give birth to consciousness. Right. Um, and I've always encouraged that in her, like you are the, the power you can manifest way quicker than I am. Cause I have so many men, who, but don't get me wrong. Women have so many hookups too. You know, you have to do this, you have to do that. Men have to be the breadwinner. There's all these fucking connotations that 
don't exist that are instilled in us that we have to uncondition. Yes. So my wife and I have been unconditioning each other since the day we met 10 years ago. Um, and we, we don't argue, we don't have disagreements. We don't, you know, none of that type of stuff because we know spiritually we're, 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 we're in tune with each other and we're growing. We have these type of conversations all the time. And we grow together and we're always talking about, she's like, like when I jumped onto this podcast, she said, manifest that shit. Wow. And I was like, yeah, damn right. I mean, cause like I, I watched your show and I, this is a perfect example of manifestation is uh, in terms of an unrestricted thought. I watched your show and I was so in awe of it. I said, this shit is so fucking genius. Every episode blew my mind and it kept getting better and better. And the topics you were talking about and the visuals and everything made sense. And I said, I'm going to be on his show. That's so cool, man. To me, that's, a, you know, because the show is a form of manifestation. And for, it's like interesting, right? That's the thing that seems to happen when you start manifesting stuff. Other manifestors show up and then you swap data. You like, you know, like you, you exchange ideas and, and like, you know, you remind each other. You remind me of things. I forget, man. That's my problem. I'll forget. I, it's very easy for me to just forget some of the basic stuff. Yeah. The, just, you know, grammar school level stuff which is you know so it's so easy to get lost and it's for me it's very easy to get lost in my mind and swept away sometimes i wonder if i'm doing that on purpose just because i love so much mm -hmm. being swept into my head and into doubt fear despondency negativity i somehow love like it's almost like a bdsm thing where it's like i enjoy the chaos and then more than anything i enjoy dropping back in you know as sharon salzberg says the healing is in the return that moment when you drop back in and remember the thing that's so easy to forget and then you're in truth again and then the magic starts happening or maybe i'm afraid or something that i don't know maybe there's some sense of some in in, in like and i think this is skipping ahead a little bit but sometimes as i do explore the concept of manifestation and Look, look back at all the things that did work, not accidentally, but worked when I was reading the works of the great manifestors, you know, like reading Ernest Holmes, The Science of Mind, or listening to uh, people giving lectures like Michael Beckwith from Agape or something, and or even talking to you during the last podcast. And then all of a sudden, boom, stuff just starts happening instantaneously. And then I start thinking, well, there's almost a sense of like, how far can you go with this? Mm -hmm. There's a feeling of like, if I were to push this further or if I were to experience, experiment with this more, would I stay alive? Would yeah. I even be a me anymore? Would there this, I, it sounds insane, but sometimes there's a sense of like, if you did this enough, would you just kind of forget you were a person or something? You know what I'm talking like? You would, would you just wake up from a dream you were having that you were this limited being and suddenly be unlimited? And in that there, I don't know, it's ridiculous, but there's this feeling of like, shit, I'm afraid, like so much, I guess the best to summarize, so much of what, of the way people understand who they are and the world is through their limitate, their perceived limitations. Mm -hmm. That is how we identify who we are, not by what we have or what we can achieve, but by where we're stuck. Yeah. Sounds depressing, but wouldn't you agree? That seems to be Maybe not for you, but for a lot of people, that's where their mind lands. I, I think it's because it's, it's, I mean, I'm trying to bring awareness back to the power we all possess. And I feel like when something bad happens to us, we, we, it's not us. It's something else. It's, it's, you know, it's sod's law, as we say in the UK. Um, it's, it's not fact. us. 
Sod's law is basically when something bad happens, it's just it's it's something that has happened to you. It's not in your control. Mm. Whereas everything is in your control. Everything, the way you look is you are in control of the way you look. The way you, um, you know, the, all these life situations, your health, um, the way you die, you know. I mean, I, I, like I'm going to, I can get so deep on all of this type of stuff. Um, you know, it's the law of attraction. I mean, thoughts, feelings, emotions, your belief system, everything about you is your attraction. We're never not manifesting. We're always manifesting. Even when you're aware of the manifestation, your, you know, even health, even the weather, even because if you believe in manifest and manifesting from from a standpoint, because I, I talk to somebody, but yeah, I believe in that. I manifested that good thing. And then, then something bad happens. They're like, well, no, that wasn't me. But then you can't truly believe in the power you have. And we do you think you can do you think you can reverse age? So I, I don't know. I mean, the early text said that Moses, Moses or they lived to 800. I don't know if that's completely correct, but because there was no limit on age, you know, uh, how old like we have birthdays for our children. And it is how old are you? It should be motherfucking. How young are you? Look, man, I've heard such great. Yeah, that is a good way to put it. how old are you? How old are you? And then you're like, you know, you wake up and you're like, fuck, I haven't slept. I'm tired. I'm this. I feel you, you, you know, and then you, you I even study people who live to 100. And they're like, what's the secret to success and to, to your life, long lifespan? And, and there is always a common denominator. They were just content. They were content. It wasn't about manifestation or any type of bullshit. It wasn't awareness. They still drunk. They still smoked. They, but they did it in happiness. They did it in a place of comfort. How do you get to that point, though, man? This is to me. Let's start there, because I think you're right. If you're going to start doing I mean, in like like in Buddhism, but also in magical texts in the like ceremonial magic or any of it, generally the process starts with learning how to calm your mind. The process starts with shunyata. How do you, mindfulness is what they call it in the West, but how do you, it's like getting to that place where you're no longer disturbed by the mind. And this is one of the things I love about you is that you're not somebody who was born in the palace. You grew a palace around you, but you weren't born there. And so these things that you're saying, they do carry a little bit more weight in the sense that you're, you're walking the walk. It's not, you know, you have done this. You have, you've, you definitely figured out how to do this, but talk to me a little bit about that. I have a real problem not being reactive when the phenomena around me is chaotic. I get pissed when my poodle starts barking. Sometimes I just, you know, I get caught up. If the news is particularly fucked up, there's a fire. Holy shit. Trending on Twitter. The San Andreas fault earthquake swarms and it affects me. And then I get lost. How do you find your balance in the midst of chaos? See, um, I, I first learned how to quiet the mind on YouTube. Believe it or not. I mean, I was like, cause I, I was tired. I was so tired. I was so depressed. I was so, you know, anxious. My head was too heavy for my body. I used to get headaches, like all that type of shit. And I was like, and I've always been someone who's responsible. I'm like, this is enough, bro. Like me telling myself I need to stop. I think it was Tony Robbins who said, staring in the mirror for like five minutes a day or some shit and just smile at yourself. And I did it. And I said, this is the dumbest shit I've ever done. <laughs> but it worked. I mean, I, I was like, and I started smiling. And I mean, I did it for like three days and it kind of worked. Um, but I would do this thing where my, like my mind is eerily quiet. Like, I can't believe how quiet my mind is. Um, from don't get me wrong now I, I all i hear now is nursery rhymes from from the baby's tv shows and stuff but, but 
I would do a thing of, I would sit there and I would count down if I'm in bed, if I wake up at night or, you know, before bed, I'd do a hundred to zero. So 199, 98, 97, 90, and you'd be like, fuck that bill. Uh, oh, the baby or this or that or whatever's going on. No, 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 none of that. 97, 96, you'd lose your place about a thousand times the first few times. And it's frustrating as hell. You get down to zero and you're like, oh, whoa. And, and then it all comes flooding back. And then you go 50, zero, 50, zero. You do that for a week. Your mind will be blank. I promise what? you. You're saying do countdowns when you're going to sleep. And when you get caught in your thoughts, you start anytime, over again? Anytime, anytime. It doesn't have to be sleep. It could be anytime. Um, if you find your mind, mind race, because it, it's easy to count up. Yeah. It, I mean, it's easy to count down too, but it takes a, l- a little bit more of a f- thought process to be like 100, 99, 98, and then you get to 90. And every 10 that I get to, I say, thank you. And Whoa. Then, and then I keep going. And then, and then you go 50, 0, 50, 0, and you do it as many times as you want. And then you'll notice like a split second of a silent that you've never felt before. It's almost like, I don't want to get too vulgar, but it's like, it's almost that point of when you masturbate for the first time. And then it's like the, the best explosion ever. And you're fucking amazed. It's the same thing. The gap. The gap. That gap in time where you're, you're exactly in that moment. And it's a beautiful thing. I mean, yeah. it is so beautiful. And you're sitting there going, wow, for a split second, you are you. Yeah. And then yeah. it all comes flooding back again. But the, the, I, I think that's the reason why manifestation isn't really a common knowledge thing because we don't work on ourselves enough. There is right. no, we don't spend time on ourselves. No one does. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, because, you know, well, and also a lot of the times the manifestation stuff, you'll watch The Secret, you'll hear it secondhand, you'll get an idea that it's a possibility. But I, some, some of the literature, it doesn't, I, I it, at least I probably skipped over it, but it doesn't like get into the precursor stuff, which really is like what you're talking about. The like before you get into the bigger picture for, you know, it's like, okay, what you want to, my meditation teacher tells me that, you know, there's an, you know, I don't know. He's amazing, but you know, there is the potential to like, maybe levitate, you know, maybe that is something, but it's like before you, how do you think you can levitate if you can't stop yourself from drinking every night? Mm-hmm. Like, how do you think you can levitate if you can't even drink enough water every day to stay hydrated? Like, for or how can you levitate? How can you gain that control, whatever that may be, or whatever the magical act you're looking for, if you can't sit still for two minutes, you know? So I think that's the idea is first begin to find that calm space that's the temple that's like the temple you carry with you and that's the place you can do the the work right is that is that how you see it i'm not gonna lie Duncan. it's difficult it's, it's it, everything you explained like i tried to do you know the eastern meditation of staring at a blank surface eyes open doing the countdown with the breath and it was agonizing it was <laughs> agonizing but they do say i did read afterwards that you can have a notebook there because i had a ton of ideas come through for other things and you can write stuff down um, but it, I mean, it's uh, for me, for me to become spiritually aware, I had to be in a place where I was comfortable enough to do it. Me, yeah. Lou Paul could not be spiritual Lou. Right. Lou back where I was, it just didn't, it didn't exist for me. I, I had no choice. Right. You know, that's why the Western culture now is really picking up on spirituality because, you know, the West has money and yeah. they can afford now to take time out. And again, you know, when I speak to, to people who, who are religiously, you know, for example, um, 
uh, Damien Eccles, who, who we both know, he, he's a master meditator. Yeah. And, and he's dedicated his life to it. I, 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 I don't think I could do that. I, and, and to be honest, I don't meditate anymore because I like where I'm at right now. And I like that there's some, some thought process, some not, some, you know, I question myself, I don't, but it's me. You know, it's never this kind of external source. I think Michael A. Singer is the perfect guy to break down the kind of the untethered soul and the surrender experiment where he basically lives in a wood cabin and surrenders himself. It's almost like if you throw a feather into the wind and it blows, that's how you have to like be with your thoughts and your emotions and your feelings. And he, he literally built a cabin with no money and he became this multi, multi millionaire because people just kept, but we have to remember one thing too. So for example, when I was doing a job, whether it would be in a printing firm or this shit job or this or that, I did it at a hundred percent as if it, I was being like, I was like the, the world's best paid employee. And I think that's where some of us confuse. If you're working in McDonald's, that's fucking amazing. You're hustling, you're doing your thing. Do it a hundred percent. Right. Do it like it's the end goal. Because you know what's going to happen. Your thought process will take you to the end goal anyway. But if you're half-assing it, you're manifesting half-ass situations to come to you. Love it. That's for sure, man. That right there. That is it. That thing. That is, to me, That that's actually one of the things I forget. But that is it. Because, you know, Ramdas talks a bit about this a little bit, which is, you know, in India, you might see a window washer, you know, which in, you know, in, and realize you're looking at someone. It's like watching a great artist like you're looking like they're so fully involved in it there isn't a sense of like i'm just a window washer it's like this is what i'm doing now and there's a, a crazy thing when you see that versus somebody's like well i got this fucking temp job until i get my cd to lou you know what i mean so i'm like half i want to get the fuck out of here that thing in your mind i know exactly what you're talking about like to me that is the wild quality of this manifestation is like if you there is a way that the entire glory of the universe can shine through you regardless of whatever your activity may be. And you, you and they say this, I, you know, I'm, I've met some pretty advanced people, uh, but never like the like alleged guru, the Osho or whatever. But they do say that when you see people like that, whatever it is they're doing, there's this grace to it that's captivating. There's this whatever it may be there's this artistry to it that you never forget and they're not forcing themselves to do that they're not like exerting or anything because i think a lot of people confuse being fully devoted to what you're doing with like just exertion and i think it's too it's not pushing harder it's you know what i mean it's not you know it's not like driving at a thing like aggressively it's a whole different thing you're talking about right it's like a tuning in to yep. it mm -hmm. and letting that be the some total of who you are see uh, i'm not gonna lie Ig ignorance for me was bliss like it, in terms of I, I i'm super happy now but i'm trying to master the ignorance so it becomes bliss so so basically you know ignorance for example the food i used to eat it, it didn't matter what i ate i felt healthy now i know if i eat shit food it's in my mind that i've eaten shit food so therefore i manifest my body rejecting this food that I enjoy. You see what I'm saying? So when I say ignorance is bliss, I mean it on that level of, of the, but the difference now is I know that everything in my life is me. Every single detail, every single person you walk past on the street, every single, you know, 
everything in your life, even the weather, even like I study people who live around tornadoes and they're usually a couple of type of pe- types of peoples, you know, people who like to, who, who have a, a distinct uh, knack for rebuilding or want to rebuild. So their whole shit gets taken down. They're like, it's fine. We'll rebuild. And you're yeah. like, oh shit. Okay. So, you know, like we wouldn't live in a tornado valley because we're just not there. We're not the attraction. And even as I said to you the other day, you know, with the earthquake um, that happened here, you know, I knew it was coming while I was sleeping. And my wife did too. It was the strangest thing ever. And she woke up in a panic, the baby. I already had the baby monitor. And I said, and I lent her back and I said, you're okay. We're safe. She's safe. And I felt safe the whole time. And again, we, we, we can't, fear is an attraction too. The things you fear come into your life. And I said, and you know, even, you know, going to the cinema and watching a horror movie, the only difference from you attracting that horror movie is the fact that you don't believe that that horror movie is real. Mm. Because if you did, you would attract that shit into your life. I study murder victims. How is it that that, that that jogger was killed by some random person? And there's always, people can't see the distinction. We all have this relationship with death, whether we like it or not. We know it's coming. We know what it's happening. Sometimes we avoid it. Sometimes we don't. But it's the attraction of the death. For example, I thought when I was growing up, like I wanted to die. And I'd get into fights and people would try and stab me. Mm. But I didn't clock at the time that I was attracting that death, but I knew I didn't want to die. You know, there's anxieties, there's depressions, there's all these type of things. We, and then I turned it on its head and be like, wow, it's me. I'm, I'm, we are powerful. And the same thing, I know you, you spoke about the news that like, fucking get rid of that shit. Yeah. This form of meditation is focusing on one thing, whether it's focusing on no mind or, or levitating or out of your body or what, it's one thing. When you watch the news, you're meditating on that one thing, whatever that news reporter is saying to you, that's your meditation. Right. Like anything in life, you know, if you're painting a wall, you know, you're in the moment or whatever, that's meditation. We just think this eyes closed and we're off yeah. to the fairies. Um, so we, I don't, I don't do that. I don't have outside distractions. Like this lockdown for me has been a strange blessing because I, I like the fact that I only focus on my family, my, my business, um, doing what I love. I don't watch the news. I don't even watch TV anymore. I'm reading. I've got, I'm not educated at all. Like I didn't go to school. I barely, I read five books, three books when I left school. And those were only for school books. Right. Um, I think it was like Mary Shelley's Frankenstein and some other bullshit. And, and I never, and I would never read. And now I'm reading like a book a week, which is insane. And I'm really into like near different experiences now, which have just blown my mind. Yeah. That's blown my mind. Fascinating, isn't it? Wait, um, before I want to get into that, but uh, tell me your thoughts on the multiverse. So I'm going to give you a good one. This is a good one. Cause I learned this the other day and it's so true that my whole body shook and I was like, holy shit. So, for example, I don't know, what would a, a young Duncan Trussell, what, what would his, so for example, I wanted to be a soccer player. I used to play semi-pro. Um, and then my, I dislocated my shoulder. I came back from injury. I was fresh. I had doubts and I had a strap and I did it again and I'm game over. My, my game was done. I had so much doubt in my mind and I knew I was going to get injured. So every time I play football now, I'm gonna, you're going to get injured. And I do. So there's my manifestation. The multiverse. So, for example, there's probably a me because I put so much energy into that, that playing professional soccer so i can tap into that skill right if if i focus on it which i never do because who the fuck has time i don't have time for that um so i don't know what another duncan was i mean there were so many other things maybe i wanted to be a lawyer maybe i wanted to be this wanted to be that and the reason why our soul or entity puts out so many we put out so many different versions of us yes even from a point of you know i wanted to stay in bed this morning because my baby got up too early 
if I put enough energy into that, there's another me in bed having his day living on and whatever, thinking that it's the true source. Yes. Now, the difference is the only entity or only multidimensional you that knows you and is aware of all of the multidimensional selves. So that means we are not the source of us. We are a multidimensional version of us. Yeah, right. We're like, a, a, we're, we're essentially like one part of a spectrum of us right now. Yes. That's what you're yes. So, uh, and okay. So, because to me, for a lot of what the manifestation stuff to really work, it requires a multiverse. It requires a, uh, you know, for, for example, and you know, I, many people hear this shit and they're like, give me a fucking break. You're telling me that what would not many people i'll tell you this has been my cynical side when i thought about this stuff but uh, i've seen so many crazy things going to those ramdas retreats man you just can't doubt it anymore but like the well, you can't doubt it but it you're doubting you're no longer doubting because you haven't experienced it you're doubting because it freaks you out and you you can't deal with the fact it could it, things could be very different than what you think but the um so but this is what i think i'm just going to say the cynical stuff just because I think you can address it in a way that maybe will clear some stuff up for people. But people think, okay, number one. Well, okay, I went to a manifestation church once. I'll never forget this. And they were having a sweepstakes or some shit. Someone's going to win a car. And I remember just thinking like, all right, so is this like the person who wins the car? Is this like a weightlifting contest, but for manifestation? Because everyone here is going to be attempting to believe that they're going to get the car, but only one person is going to get it, right? So... In my mind, to me, it's like, okay, so it is, it's bullshit. Or like the, another cynical version of it is like, well, we don't want there to be evil in the universe, right? We, we, one of the big problems of any kind of philosophy or spirituality that involves a conceptualization of the universe where there could be, even if it's a super version of you, is how do we deal with the suffering in the world? How do we rationalize that? And sometimes, you know, Ram Dass will say we choose our incarnations. Yes. And I'll hear, I, in, in, when I'm in a good mood and I hear that, I'm like, yeah, I love that. But when I'm in a bad mood, I'll think, really? Mm -hmm. That's just your way of not dealing with the fact that sometimes people are born, you know, children are born in the most fucked up situations. They don't even make it to be four because their parents are alcoholics. They, they don't get fed and then they die. And it's like, all right, that's a lazy way to rationalize that horror in the world. And also, what are you saying? The four-year-old manifested its own demise, you know? Mm -hmm. So to me, like, that's the cynical part of me. The non, the, the neutral part of me thinks, well, I don't understand that well enough to really deal with it. I don't, I don't really know. And then the part of me that's into the manifestation stuff just thinks, well, that is real. I mean, that did happen. And is the universe malfunctioning because that happened? Is that the idea that the universe is out of balance? So anyway, how would you answer that? So, because um, I, I mean, I, I search for that truth. How is it, especially children? I mean, yeah, you no, know, it's, and you, we look at death like death, not new life. And touching up on the NDE experiences, near-death experiences, um, they feel love, they feel compassion when they pass over. And I have read so many um you know, kids who have cancer, who, who pass over and come back. And they're like, I, I did not want to come back. I no, loved no. it over there. It was, I loved it. I, I knew why I was here. I knew what I had to learn. So, you know, we are born 
we are reincarnated into situations for us to learn as the soul, the entity as the whole, we are a personality in this, you know, which we, we retain in the afterlife too. Um, so in terms of child, children are manifestors in the now they're innocent. They, they, so nothing is predetermined. Only the situation you're born into is an agreement that you have as a personality or a soul or entity, whatever you want to say has with the agreements that everyone around you. So for example, you, you know, your child, your wife, your, Whoever's in your life has these agreements before they're born into incarnation. So it's so difficult to, to, to kind of, I don't want to offend anyone who's lost a child because I get it. I get all that type of stuff. But it, if we knew that life, there's life after death, I think we would approach this completely differently. And especially when you research the NDEs and, you know, all that type of stuff, you realize that children are super in tune with, with, with everything. They live in the complete now. There is no yesterday. There is no tomorrow. There is now. I'm hungry now. I'm sleepy now. I'm not. And we as adults forget that. So, yeah. and, and even back to your, you know, the church thing is, you know, manifesting a car. It's, it's also the knowing. Because I, I struggle with that. Because I, I try and research. For example, music. How, what determines a song being a hit? There's so many fucking components going on in, in, within that song. There's the songwriters. There's the producers. There's the label. There's the artists themselves who are completely in meltdown. I hate this song. I don't want it to come out. And it becomes the biggest song hit on earth. Wow. Right? So I kind of have uh, attributed that to the, the, the energy is, is in the song. Yeah. Whatever was created in that three, four minutes is in that song, regardless of anyone around them. But it's also the expectation, right? So if, if you're born rich, you expect to be rich. I'm not talking about manifestation in happiness or sadness. That's all irrelevant. It's about manifestation. So um, when, you're, when you expect, see, I didn't expect nothing growing up. So, I, so for me to, so someone says to me, why don't you just manifest $100 million? Because that's not believable to me. That's not what... Right. Not, that's not, I wasn't around that. Now, if you ask, I don't know if you've seen that show Succession. Uh, no, I have not. So it's basically about billionaires, but it's like a true interpretation of billionaires. And you look at them and you realize like, let's go for a, round, a game of rounders. Cool. They jump in their cars. They hop on their helicopters. They go and play a game of rounders. And that shit probably cost a million dollars to do that whole thing. That's the expectation. They know that shit is going to be there. Right. And so therefore their universe is there. Yeah. So with, with children is, is, is some, their soul can push them, pull them back. You know, if they're in a, sh a situation where the, 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 you know, I watched um, a kid on Netflix whose parents, you know, used to put him in a cupboard and beat the shit out of him and social workers used to go around and I'm like, well, what did he, do? he didn't deserve any of that. Right. But then he's, he's now in a better place in a much better place. It's so hard for us to understand. I'm not from any of this. I don't like, uh, I just know that this is what it is. No, I agree with you, man. I'm, look, this is why I bring up the multiverse because I think, you know, humanity's gone through these very interesting phases. And one of them is we went, we, we learned how to fucking fly, mm -hmm. right? And then the moment you learn how to fly, suddenly the terrain of the earth, you learn more about the earth. You Essentially, humanity as a whole, the consciousness of humanity, anytime we gain a technology like that, it changes completely. When we became, when we gained the ability to, go into orbit around the planet, everything changed again. The example I've been given is like, you know, we went from thinking when the sun went down, it might not come up to knowing that the sun's always there floating in the sky. And similarly, right now, we're in an interesting predicament as humans because we are in a place where we, most people 
not most people, you know, religious people don't think it, but many people feel like the moment your body dies or the moment someone lets go of their body, they no longer exist. This is the scientific materialist standpoint. And within it, it produces a nightmare situation. If Dawkins is correct, if you name it, whoever is correct regarding the, this is it. You get one shot, random. You don't get to choose your avatar. No, you get exploded into the universe with some sentience that's a result of a overactive fucking neocortex. You sort of trick yourself into imagining that you're a thing and you do that just long enough to get by without going insane and hopefully get your DNA into somebody else, make another accidental blurt of sentience before your meat machine collapses and then you're infinitely gone. That's the idea. And if you live in that universe, then yeah, that fourth many people, even though they might not want to admit it, that's a pretty dire place. And also it doesn't feel like it fits in with what our, our instincts or our sense of self tells us, not to mention the near-death experiences. But, you know, people are going to rationalize that all the way. But I really think it could be that uh, we are looking at some kind of, for lack of a better word, multiverse situation where there is a simultaneous experience happening, a kind of continuum of identity stretching from the most dire version of ourself all the way across the board. And the sum total of all of those combined equals the great wisdom of whatever the archetypical you may be. And, and it's the archetypical you that is kind of like the way the sun is for the earth. It's attention where it's shining, where that lands. That's where you're at. That's you. You're being like, sort of, so it's a, that's where we're at. And as above, so below, because of that situation, we can really jump through that timeline. You know, we can, and then and then that's, then all of a sudden things start making a little bit more sense, even though it sounds fucking nuts, that if we do gain multidimensionality, if quantum computing, or if we gain some lens, if we can do the same thing we did with an airplane, but for this continuum of identity, and theoretically based on what we're talking about here, we've already fucking done it. There already is a version of the civilization we're in right now, a version of us right now that lives in a, a, a call it whatever you want to call it, a technological civilization that has gained the ability to look past the singularity of death and is recognized, oh yeah, there's a continuum of selves. And, uh, and if this is the case, then yeah, you really can, you want the hundred million dollars, you can manifest it, but not just that. You could theoretically jump like actual points in history, you could jump to the timeline where there's a, a actual time machine. Cause that's the thing, man. I know this sounds absolutely like for some people it might sound like gobbledygook, but you listen to my podcast. So you, this is what I always ramble. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm saying, man, this, like everybody thinks a time machine, right? They're like, Oh, a time machine means you're going to get in your little time machine and you're going to travel back to the seventies. Who wouldn't want to do that? Do blow in the 70s at some badass 70s party. But really, actually, what it might mean is it's a it's a device, a technological device that shifts your consciousness in a way that makes you no longer susceptible to the doubt that keeps you from jumping timelines. Because if the implication is just a shift in our attention or consciousness can radically transform not just our bodies, but the stuff around us then suddenly a time machine isn't a portal, it's a consciousness device. It's a thing that does the thing the great manifestors have figured out how to do, but without you having to go through all that precursor shit. And so now you now everyone becomes travelers. Only the what we're traveling is we're swimming through our various lives. It sounds insane, but so did fucking flight. So yes. did 
jumping on an airplane or going into space. And um, so, yeah, man, I, I do think like that's where I get unnerved by it, actually. Is it's like, whoa, that's what they were talking about when they're talking about the possibility of flight. They weren't they didn't mean flight necessarily as much as like, oh, no, you can like you can jump wherever you want to be. You can jump right in to paradise. That's my poodle. I want to jump into a fucking dimension where he doesn't bark anymore. <laughs> He's been good for this long. He's been good for this long. So anyway, yeah, to me, that's how we can work with the idea of manifestation is yeah. we have to redefine the universe to not just be one timeline. It needs to be an actual continuum. Well, the, the, the past, the present and the future is all happening now at the exact same time. Like it, it, it's factually true. I like, I, like I, I, you know, if you, if you're into it and you're super deep into it, you can tap into those type of timelines, those dimensions. But for example, another dimension that you're living has no concept of time. Right. You know, so, you know, all that type of stuff. So, and, and you know, the annoying, I mean, uh, not the annoying thing, that's probably the wrong word. Having the daughter is you're always conscious of the time. Right. How long has she napped? So how long is, and I fuck like, I, I'm a guy that I'm just, Time for me doesn't exist. It does not really a thing. But as long as you use it to your advantage, not as a disadvantage, you know, we have all this, we, we put, we always rush things. That's, that's one thing as, as a site we always do. We're always looking for the quick fix, the quick fix, the quick fix. But now I'm trying to be at a point, like me, my wife speak about it all the time. We want to live to a hundred. We want to, we want all that. Like I, we love life. We love what we're doing. We love all that type of stuff. And the way we're going to do that is by not putting a concept on time. We're trying to get back to the early, the Moses and those dudes. They didn't know what age they were. They didn't know it was Monday, Tuesday or Thursday or any of that type of shit or nine, you know, before Christ or any of that type of stuff. We as a site need to get back to that. And I feel like that's a part of what creates unhappiness and anxieties and stresses because we have to achieve something by certain goals. You know, I think the reason why I'm, uh, you know, I'm doing so well in myself because of even my own belief system, you know, when you're younger, you're, you're doing whatever you're fighting around. And then I know that the older I get, the more accomplished I become yeah. financially. That's just a natural trait of growth. That's yeah. why, you know, you know, 80% of people who make their money are like in their like retirement or just about to retire all that type of stuff. Cause it's the belief system. But I'm trying to, even now with my daughter, is bring her to aware. I don't know. It's difficult to, I don't know how I'm going to do it, but always make her aware of the fact that she, her emotions, her feelings, her thoughts, create her whole outside exterior to every single detail. Even the, the I can't stress it enough, the way she looks, you know, her image, the way she feels about herself. It's like, you know, when you see so many self-conscious people and they look great. And they're like, like supermodels. Most, most of them are, are, are super self-conscious and yeah. have anxieties and all that type of stuff because they're so focused on their looks. Yeah. So therefore their looks on the outside looks good. They just can't see it because we haven't, we haven't factually seen ourselves with our own eyes. We haven't, we, we've seen a reflection of ourselves. We're seeing the image that we've created on the inside outside. Wow. So I'm trying to, you know, read all these religious texts and take, take, take pictures of pinches of them. You know, we are created in God's image. There is no, there is no, but we, but there is no human, but we can, can't do this, this, and this. There's a never ending. If you believed you could fly, like you could say, the airplane is the closest manifestation of flying. Right. We don't, we don't, you know, we don't believe we can physically fly ourselves. You know, if we did, we probably would be able to. 
and, and that's where everyone's like, no way, that's not possible. And those are the people who stay in the timeline where you can't fly. Yeah. See, this is like the, the thing we're talking about is, you know, I don't I, it's uh, man. I've seen just one little quick little thing, man. I like we are at the, one of these Ram Dass retreats. And and again, I don't know why I'm always battling with a skeptic in my mind. But we're one of these. It's been raining every day. This is fucking Hawaii, but it's a it's raining for some reason. Right. And Ram Dass, he, I just saw it happen, man. He's like, you know, he's had a stroke, but he still like, had this floaty thing and he would go out into the ocean. And so they take him out on this, where everyone goes and swims with him. It's a really beautiful thing. They would throw flowers and flowers are floating around. When they go out in the ocean, he's floating out laughing. <laughs> and, and I watched it with my own eyes, man. It's raining. He went out there when it's raining. It stops raining. He's floating out there, it stops raining, and a rainbow appears above him. Yeah. So now you have this being floating in the fucking water with flower petals around him and a rainbow above him, and the rain stopped. And it's like, come on, that's too much. Mm-hmm. That whatever that was, that's too that's that's wild, man. And I don't think some people are afraid to live in that kind of universe mm-hmm. where that that that's a possibility. I'm on the cusp, man. I mean, and that's just a little version of some of the shit I've seen over there. But like, you know, we do. That's why I like hanging out with folks like you, because that's the other beautiful thing. Is and you know, Chogim Trump or Rinpoche says don't do spiritual hitchhiking. But really, you know, like if bikes will get close behind the other bike and they can get they get caught in that like updraft, you get pulled along. Yeah. So if that's why I think in Buddhism, good right association is a huge part of it, which is like, you want to be around people who are going, at the very least, if you're like, you know, if your intent is to evolve, but for whatever reason, you're a little cloudy, you want to be around people who are actively doing it because you will get pulled in their updraft. Like, it will happen. You know, you will see, if you hang out with these people who have a practice, you'll see some of the craziest shit you've ever seen, whether you believe it or not, because that's the world they live in. I've I, I've never actually met anyone who doesn't understand what I'm talking about ever because I feel like I've turned the needle and I've always been aiming well over the last few years aiming to turn that needle so now I only attract people who want to listen or or or, or you know have kind of tapped into it but not really so I get calls all the time of people just being like you know how do you do this 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 um and it's 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 just you. I mean, like I, I read so many people who are on stage being like, you know, giving out advice for the, their one problem that they have. Um, and it fixes that one problem, but we have to give power back to people, to individuals. You know, we are a group collective. I mean, yeah. for example, you know, when all the protests were happening and it, it was a beautiful thing, but it wouldn't, it would have been equally as effective as sitting down meditating on one focus doesn't i'm not talking like eyes closed whatever focus on change what change do we want and write one thing down and for a split second think of that write the second thing down for another split second think of that changes will be happening quicker especially collectively i mean individually you have enough power to do it by yourself hands down collectively holy shit yeah that's why the news is so fucked up right because it's forcing people in a collective death ritual right that's what the news is doing it's hijack it's people you know that thing you said about meditating when you're watching the news man that is so fucked up because just think about it if you're sitting on the couch watching the tv 
imagine if you were sitting in a room and there was no TV and you're just staring at the wall. You're meditating. Yeah. You're meditating for fucking hours. That would be amazing. You'd be like, yeah, I meditate three hours a day. I just sit and stare at this dark, dark rectangle. And But turn on the news, you're still meditating. Yeah. It's just you have been hijacked by a fear matrix. And to me, what do you think about that, man? I mean, th this is where I get real creeped out because I'm like, is there some kind of sentient darkness that wants to keep no. people chained to a fucked up reality? No, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I've separated myself from it. So it's, it, I can only speak from my experience. Um, it's, it, it's the conditioning. Of course, the conditioning is there, but we all have free will to turn it off. No one's forcing you to turn on the TV and watch the news. Just as, you know, it's like, you know, when you go and get surgery or whatever, you sign paper, you, you know, you're putting your life. Again, it, it's your choice. All of right. this is your choice in terms of, um, you watching the news. Yes, what they feed you is not really your choice, but you're watching it. Do, do you think, so, so um, I'm, holy shit, is that right? Holy shit. Well, I'm sorry, I didn't realize how much time, it, fuck man. We've been talking, <laughs> you are really magical, man. I, it feels like we've been talking for like five minutes. No. Are you in a rush? No, I'm just, no. For a second, I was like, well, we've probably been talking for like 30 minutes. I feel, and I, that. I feel like I've, I've still got so much more to say. <laughs> oh, yeah. We, we're not even, okay. No, I'm not in a rush, but uh, I, I, I'm not in a rush at all. I, but I do, I want to ask you this. Um, and this, I don't mean to do some like evangelism crazy shit, but don't you think, man, I think you're advanced enough that if you wanted to, just talking right now, you could like, people who are listening, I think you could flip their scripts a little bit, right? Like, can you do like a, can you set an intention or do you think you have the ability to like put into the people listening some kind of like upshift in their consciousness? I mean, to be honest, I, I, I try and be as practical as possible because I'm a pretty practical guy. I'm, I don't know any of the, I mean, I, I'm not raised on this. I wasn't, you know, but I, I just, I, it's a knowing. I don't know how to explain it. It's just a knowing. Um, and I keep seeing more things. For example, what I would say to people is look at every good thing in your life. Look at everything you th you feel is bad. For example, I mean, I read a book, um, you know, on NDE and, and it was this woman who had cancer. And the woman who was the doctor, she said, you know, it could always be worse. And she was like, what could be worse than cancer? She was like, well, I know people who are paralyzed from the neck down who are literally slowly dying. And I'm like, holy shit. It's also a perspective, but you can, you, I mean, trace back any bad thing that's ever happened, any good thing, any, anything in your life, and you can trace it back to a feeling, a thought, an emotion, an action, yeah. something yeah. on the inside, not outside, because our reaction to, to, to the outside is, oh, it's happening, then we react. Yeah. Not the attraction to it, then we react. Right. Um, I mean, just study your own life. That's what I do all the time, all the... When I used to get, I used to, you know, when I broke up from a relationship, I was bitter inside. I, you know, I felt like dying. I felt like physical death without dying. I didn't want to die, but I knew that it was, it had to feel better than heartbreak. It had to. And, um, you know, I would drink, I would take drugs, which was great. I'm not going to, you know, I had a great time. Me and my younger brother, he was, I was, I don't know, 21, 22, and he was 18, 19. And you could, I mean, the UK is legal there for, for, for alcohol and stuff. 
And we'd go out, we'd always get into fights. And I'm not a, f- a physical person at all. Don't get me wrong. If you fuck with me, like, like shit is going to go down. Not I get that now. feeling about you, actually. Old, I think you know how to fight. <laughs> I mean, like, for example, I'd get like three guys would come up to me in a club. And then I'd, I'd know that some shit's going to go down. One would swing and I'd just headbutt him. And then he would fall to the floor. Mm-hmm. And then the other two would be like, whoa, that's the kind of react. But I'm not a violent person, but I, I can trace back the attraction to that. My bitterness, the way I was feeling about myself, everything to do with that. I used to, you know, I, I'm a lover. I'm not a fighter. I was, too, I was too busy into girls to be worrying about fighting. I'd let the other guys fight and I'd just be there with the, with the girls. And, and I love that. I love But I realize what our mission on this earth is. And I feel like people lose that sight because they have to achieve something. I, have to, I, don't, I, don't, I don't care about leaving anything. And I was like, I want to be remembered forever. I don't care. I mm-hmm. honestly don't care. I want to start, I want to learn more to have unconditional love for others. And for me, that is the ultimate goal. And when you read near-death experiences, and I will touch upon why I think, why I know real death, uh, near-death experiences are real. Um, because my, my, my older brother had a best friend when he was seven, 16, he, he committed suicide. Mm-hmm. He hung himself and it was horrible. And he used to always sleep in my bed. So I would always go and sleep on the floor or whatever. And he was always around every weekend, every weekend, every weekend. And it came from nowhere. And that, it, it affected me. It affected me to a point where, I, you know, when you're young, you don't really like death. You don't really like ghosts. You don't like any of that type of shit. Yeah. And one time when I was a kid, um, I had a dream about him. And he, he visited me in death form. So he had the dark eyes. He looked like he was dead. And yeah. it was so real. He was in a corner of my room. And he said to me, He said, I shouldn't have done this. This is the wrong place. I shouldn't be here. And I said, it's okay. You're going to be okay. Everything is always going to be okay. And then I woke up and I didn't, and this was like when I was young, 12 maybe. And that dream has stuck with me forever. That's been in the back of my mind. And I read a book yesterday, yesterday night, and it spoke about near-death experience of people who have tried to commit suicide. And every single one who does, who comes back says, this do not do it you go into a void you go into a place where you shouldn't be it's a place that you're there for a very long time you know they say that life is a gift and you 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 know they have all these emotions and feelings and everything about why we shouldn't do it and you know why religion say it isn't so and all these type of things because they've touched up on you go somewhere else you don't see the light you don't see any of there's not a being waiting for you you're just in solitude it's like that, that Robin Williams film, What Dreams May Come. I don't know if you've ever seen that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, when his wife commits suicide, he has to go find her yeah. in the, the, the deep, deep underworld. It was like that. And I was like, holy shit. He came to me in that dream. And he reached out to me. And, I, and you know, it's like the NDE experiences is, you know, when you ask a question, you know the answer. You don't have eyes, but you see. You yeah. know, you don't have ears, but you hear. You know, there's a, there's a being there, but it's not a form. It's a light, but you know, it's nothing but unconditional love. And they ask, you you know, what have you learned? What is your knowledge? What have you, all these type of things. And then they send you back with unconditional love. Yeah. So that's the whole point of like, we're here for this free will. Like we are, we are the powerful people like this, us, we're so fucking powerful. And, and that's why I touch back on the ignorance is bliss. Cause I get so frustrated when I hear people just be just so not aware of their, the power of their awareness, but I've learned now to accept people as them. Mm. And that's a beautiful thing. So now I'm trying to, you know, the unconditional love thing, cause I can get quite selfish in myself. Cause if anyone starts fucking with my psyche, I'm like, bye, I, I don't need you in my life. I don't, it could be anyone. Yeah. 
you know, um, and we have to maintain our, we have to, for you to get to this point, I, I had to maintain my spirit, my soul, my, my thought process. I didn't let, I, no one could derail me from any of that shit. Only now is I'm opening up to this type of conversations and, and, and you know, trying to educate people as best as I can from a point of love, from a point of the power that they all possess. Yeah. Yeah, man. You, yeah, it's, you know, I, one thing I've noticed is like, though, anytime I'm really actively working on myself and developing unconditional love and generally the people who are fucking with your psyche, they get so annoyed with you. They don't want to talk to you anymore. They generally hit the road. Like the insidious people are the people that are really caught in the shit. They're, they just think you're an asshole. Yeah. They're like, oh, another fucking spiritual dumb shit. I don't, what happened to him? We lost him. We lost him. Because, you know, in that layer of reality, people live in hell. It's a hell realm. And not, like, they're always at war with each other and they're always fighting. So, but then sometimes you do have to make active decisions. You know, you can't just hope that people are going to demagnetize from you. Sometimes you really, especially, I think in the early phases of it, you got to like, you have to watch out. The Prabhupada, the guy who started the Hare Krishna, has compared it to like a little tendril coming out of the ground. When you're that little tendril, you have to protect it. When it gets to be a big tree, nothing to worry about. But don't fool yourself into thinking you're a tree when you're a tendril. Because uh, if you are truly, if you have unconditional love, it, it alchemizes everything. You know, like people get around that and they, they instantly, they forget why they're upset. They can't remember. They, they might remember as soon as they're out of your presence. But that is one of the qualities of the the effulgence some of these people radiate is that people get into their presence and radically, instantaneously transform. I don't know what that is. I've felt it around Ramdas, and I know people who have been around like Rinpoche's and stuff, where they'll be completely bummed, completely depressed, even suicidal. And get around Rinpoche, like these these advanced beings, and they forget why they were, why was I so fucking why would, they don't even remember why they were unhappy. It just, just getting in the field shifts it. So I think that's something that's measurable, man. I feel like that's a, a scientific study could be done showing that's not just the placebo effect. That's some kind of resonance you reach with these beings. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I I think that. The exploration of this is is one of the most important considerations, not just for an individual, but for like humanity, because we really are talking about like a shared intuition, at the very least, among our entire species. The near-death experience shit, people just, they don't know what to say about it. How, how do you deal with the fact that people seem to be having the same experience across cultural divides? How do you, you know, regardless of your religion, you're an atheist, you're still going to see the same thing. You're a Hindu, you're going to see the same thing. Buddhist, see the same thing. Everyone's seeing the same thing. Yeah. And it also... Is, it is personalized, though. Well, well, so, for example, manifest you what you manifest in this life, you also manifest in death. So if you're Catholic, you'll, that light will be Christ consciousness. That's the kind of statistics that they've been breaking down. You know, if you're a Buddhist, you'll see, you know, the, the light, all that type of stuff. So, again, if you're if you're tormented in suicide in this life, you're also tormented in the afterlife, too. Yeah, that's the that's the in Buddhism. It's the bardo. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just your, what you're going to carry your energy wherever you go. It's like 
if you know the energy that you die with it's not that energy carries into the bardo so if you eat if you like kill yourself then it's all the the only difference is that now you don't have a body to kill anymore so now you're really fucked it's like you're you 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 sort of intuited that there was a solution are you see hold on one second <laughs> hey you know to me that's always a good sign it's like anytime you get deep into a thing if the landscapers show up to me it's like oh yeah that's the forces of the universe trying to prevent the conversation. Of course, they always try to prevent the conversation on Thursdays around this time. <laughs> I didn't, <laughs> I didn't expect or, or, or the grass is listening and wants to grow. Yes, that's it. But I, I so yeah, the what, you know, I had an NDE person on, and you know, one of the things they're saying is like, I think maybe when you come back into your body, you you attach cultural mm -hmm. significance to the stuff you saw, but what your the landscape appears to be the same yeah and, and no it's like it's not like people are dying and some people are seeing uh, a tunnel and some people are seeing a road and some people are seeing a sunrise and some people see a giant frog it's like there's some kind of light there's some kind of life review that happens there's some kind of uh similarity and also it's really trippy is the phenomena that's that you if you see yourself and you look different it's what you were saying earlier that people who have ndes when they see themselves they, uh, they, it's like they see, they don't, they see themselves for the first time because they when looking in the mirror. You're always seeing like what you were saying, like a projection or something like that. It's very trippy, but you know, to me, I think right now we don't, we don't fuck the idea that there might be, even be a possibility of sending some kind of scope, a gauge, a mechanism into the barda that we could put our, there might be a way to technologically scan that place. It sounds like madness, yeah. but I think that's a possibility. And the more people have this kind of conversation and, and the more it, I think it, it would, it inspires folks to start thinking about that, which is like, man, if there's a way for us to really track this shit, I mean, these stories are insane. This, one of the stories I've heard, this India E guy told me that, there was a doctor who was uh, doing a, a, a simple surgery on an athlete. It was supposed to be a simple surgery, but the fucking guy's heart stops, right? And they can't re they can't resuscitate him. And so they're like, they're they're about to give up. Something went wrong. This fucking lady comes running in to the emergency room and tells the doctor, to, no. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. He's not dead. He's not dead. He's not dead. And he, she, the, the doctor's like, what are you talking about? And she's like, this fucking, like, she encountered him. He went into the fucking, he was screaming at the doctor, I'm not dead. He went into the waiting room and told this lady, tell the fucking doctor to keep trying. And he brings him back. Yeah. You know, what the fuck is that? That's because it's not just like we're having this subjective dreamlike experience when we die. There's other stuff that goes along with it that's impossible. People see things in other rooms. People recount conversations that folks were having in other rooms. You yeah. know, stuff like where it's like, no, that's not just you heard it while you were dying. And, and that's the key example of the separation between true religiousness and science. There's a divide. There's such a big divide of, you know, the explanation from a scientist would be like, it's the drugs or you hallucinated or the lack of oxygen to your, to your brain. And, 
and, and there's a, a clear distinct lack of education in that field and don't get me wrong like i'm there's some great uh, scientists out there who, who have had um uh near-death experiences too and have come you know even the book proof of heaven which is uh an amazing book where a new uh, neuroscientist who operates on the brain ended up going brain dead for eight days right and he ha had all his whole family around him he had all this type of stuff and um they were like, he's not coming back. I mean, you know, eight, one day, two days. And he had, he had E. coli meningitis of the spine and spinal fluid. So it was attacking his brain. And if he was going to come back, he's going to come back as a, in a vegetable, a vegetated state. Um, and he describes like, he calls it the earthworm's eye view of when you first die. And he, and bearing in mind, he wasn't aware of the personality. He wasn't aware of his kids back. He wasn't aware of any of this. And I'll tell you the reason why afterwards, um, and then he, and then he, he, once he's there, he's there, he's scared shitless. He's, he feels fear. And then he goes up and up and up and sees a light. Then he goes to this place called the core and all this other type of stuff. And he sees all these faces. He sees this woman with but beautiful butterfly wings. It sounds crazy as fuck, but it's, it resonates so well. And she's flying around and he's like, wow, this is amazing. And he goes to another place and this is amazing. Goes back to the earthworm view and feels at peace and can see all these faces, which he realized was his wife and his son and his sisters who praying for him to come back. And he remembers his son. I think he was, I don't know, 11 who would, who would, who wrote a note and was like, please dad, come back to me. And he remembers feeling really guilty because he wanted to stay. Yeah. He wanted to stay in the other afterlife, but he knew he had to come back. And, and after eight days, he woke up like nothing ever, ever happened. His brain was intact. Everything was fine. He wrote this book and, and, and he basically was like, I, he's trying to bridge the gap between religion and science. That's why he called this book proof of heaven. Um, and you know, again, his connotation, he went to the church, he had all these type of things. So, you know, it's the God, it's the higher power. He, he, he kind of touches up on that, but it's, it's, it's higher than us. It's something that was created from love. It has to be, if, 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 if we as humans have free will, it cannot be anything but love. Yeah. I, it, it, you know, if it was the, if it was the opposite of love, we wouldn't have free will, we'd be controlled. We wouldn't have any of these conversations. And that's the, the whole thing back to, um, excuse me, the, the news, you know, we have the free will to, to meditate and choose what we instill into our lives. That's the free will. Right. We just choose not to have that free will. Um, and, and it's real. I mean, I don't know how to explain it, but, but if it was common knowledge, we wouldn't, we wouldn't, I don't think it would tr transform life for the positive. I think it would transform life for, in a way where we would do everything we would do to die in a sense, if, if something went wrong, if so, like, Oh, they went, Oh, it's fine. I'll do it again. Or I, and I feel like that separation has been there for, for, for eons of millennia because we are supposed to be on this earth. We're supposed to learn. We're supposed to learn from scratch. We're supposed to do this. We're supposed to pick up new shit. If we knew for a fact that there was life after death and it's this beautiful, loving, no judgment, no, I'm gone. Everyone's gone on the planet. Yeah. Well, I mean, that does. Ha I mean, to me, that's the thing. Like, that's where, you know, if you take this stuff to the furthest point, it gets that trippy. Where and there are studies, I mean, not studies. There's stories of Shambhala. There's stories of these cities that where everyone in the city gets simultaneously enlightened. Not just one Buddha, the entire city gets enlightened together, and the city, it's gone. It's 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 not here anymore. Like it blips out. It's like you know that's one of the. I think it just depends on where you are in your training, whatever this fucking training is. Some of us are in part of the part of the training. Where right now you're learning just the basics, how to be compassionate, how to love, how to give 
more than you take. Just basic stuff like that. You And then when you start giving more than you take, you start realizing, wait a minute, the more I give, I get like triple or double back. So if I start getting, and then you, then that's its own weird little sand trap because you're like, shit, I'll just start leaving massive fucking tips everywhere. Yeah. I'll just start like, and people like, and I'll do it secretly. I won't even fucking tell people I do that. You know, and, and a lot of people, the most successful people I know, they all do that. Yeah. They all do that. And it's like, but that's the thing you start realizing, oh, okay. It is a little bit like a machine in the sense that if I freely give energy in, a, in the positive, I get something, some, an exponential increase in that energy back. Yes. And the amount that I don't freely give the energy, that dilutes that effect, but it still will echo back. Like I've experimented with this shit, man. You can sell, I, you can like literally be desperate for money and then give somebody way more money than you should in that state. And you're still, what do you know? Surprise, surprise. Two days later, a fucking check shows up. Yep. And it just happens to be three times the amount you gave that person. You, and then that's where you enter the realm of magic. Right. That's where you start playing around with that energy. Like, what the fuck else can I do? And then maybe there's something past that where you might really be able to pull your head out of whatever this thing is, out of the wormhole view without dying. You might really be able to travel out just because you want to. Yep. And then that's a whole new class. I don't know. That's like college or something compared to where I'm at. But I think it is possible. And also, I think some people who are like professors or like advanced you know students pop in to the realm that we're in to like give classes sometimes like they come here too and like here i'll show you some stuff and then they 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 go away you know i don't know again man this is my hippie speculation on the situation i love it i mean i i do these practical things just to test my my uh my, my power my attraction or whatever um i used to see these adverts on um on tv uh a good few years ago, it's probably about five years ago, and it would be like checks in the mail, get your checks in the mail, and I'd be like, "What the? F I'm British, so we don't really do checks." And I was like, "I want to get fucking checks in the mail." And I always like, you know, artist royalty. I don't get those, but artists get checks. You know, Mariah Carey every Christmas probably fucking makes a ton of money. Yeah, as a check in the mail. Um, so I would sit there and I go, you know what? I want a check in the mail. I'm gonna sit there, and I'm I want checks in the mail. Not how am I gonna get the check in the mail? Bearing in mind, it's just I'm going to get the check in the mail. It was a it was a weird knowing. I just fucking knew it. And then um and then I'd start receiving checks, which would be you know you can borrow up to forty five thousand, and I'd be like, great, I'm gonna imaginatively check cash that as a joke and then i'd store it in my little cupboard and i'd see it every day more and more of those checks came and i was like fuck yes you're getting it you're, you're you're warming up to this and then i got a call from um it was simon cowell's company who were looking for an a and r consultant um and i was like yeah fuck yeah i'll do it and this is one of my many music jobs i was also a publisher i was also this i had my management company i had a label I have, you know, there's so many different tentacles to things because I, I don't put a concept on time with them. And, and I, you know, did, did fill out all my forms, signed the contract for a year. And you don't really talk about how you're getting paid. You just know you're getting paid. So then it will eventually happen. Lo and behold, they paid me a check in the mail. Yeah. Which is like, the, the, they pay me a check in the mail. And I, and I do that now all the time. I even sometimes time my manifestation. So let me think of like a, an old friend who I haven't spoke to in a many years. And then I put my timer on, but, but it's an, it has to be an unresisted thought. And you have to be aware of the fact that it's like a, you know, 
poof, you know, oh, how's that friend gone? Not even any question after that. It usually is about eight to 10 seconds. And I was like, holy shit. I manifested that in eight to 10 seconds. That's fucking fast. Yeah. Now I can move it slightly a bit bigger. What else can I, can I practically think about that I can attract to me with just get out of the way, just do it. It will show up. Um, and I did that. I, I, you know, I left my full-time position as a publisher probably, well, they didn't renew my contract in March. And my attitude at the time was like, fuck these guys. Like I know my worth. And I was like, you know what? The universe has bigger plans for me, way bigger plans. And, or I have bigger plans for myself, which the universe is going to deliver. And then, and because I adopted that attitude, I was home, I was enjoying it. I was, I was getting calls left, right and center. And I was saying, no, I was like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do this. And I, and I'm, thank God that happened because I'm, 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 I don't want to get too practical on, on the money thing, but I'm making way more money than I am now than I was in that job, in that position. And I wouldn't have done that if I would have stayed in that position, unhappy and, you know, all that type of stuff. And, and I want people to get back to a place where do what you love because success is going to come from that regardless. Regard, I promise you, if you let go of the notion of how you think the success is going to come, be Jim Carrey in this shit. That motherfucker is a true manifester. He, like, he is the ultimate G of, like, if you see any of his quotes, all that type of stuff, yeah. that guy is incredible. Like, incredible. And I want to touch up on one thing too, Duncan. Um, we have to stop labeling. For example, we know what the, the um, characteristics of a man is. We know what the characteristics of, of a woman is. We know what a characteristics of a Buddhist is, a Christian. All that. But they're not the characteristics. Those are made up characteristics to keep us conditioned mentally so we can believe in those conditions and attract the conditions back. So I want to drop all fucking labels. I'm not a man. I'm just me. My wife is not a woman. She's not my wife. I mean, she's her own person. She, she, is, she is her. You know, she is herself. Uh, you know, there's no, I want to, I'm trying to get rid of all these notions of my dad is not black. He's a, he's a man. And like, when, when he drops all of those notions, he can drop because, you know, culture doesn't make people, people make culture. You know, I was, when I was talking, I was talking to, I don't mean to keep bringing up Ram Das. I was talking to Rob Das because when my first child was on the way, talking to him about like, what do you, you know, what's the, how do I, how am I good? How can I be a good dad to my son? And he goes, First of all, that's a soul. First, the son thing is a role. Mm-hmm. Dad thing is a role, but that's that's a soul. And there's all kinds of games you can play as that soul. Now, you know to, the the conversation regarding race, gender, all that stuff is very political. And like you know, so I'm not gonna. I I don't want to get into. It. I don't understand it fully. I've dived deep into it with some of my friends regarding it, and I've gone deep enough into it to know, you know what? I, I could, I'm i only gonna speak from my, my own experience. My own experience is that sometimes my idea of the way things are, in other words, if I think I know what a guru looks like, mm-hmm. if I think I know what uh, my, you know, then what inspiration is, if I think I know what, whatever the things are that the, my ideas of here's what it would look like, here's what it would look like if I made a great podcast, or here's what it would look like if I wrote a great script, or here's what I do. I'm a comedian, pod, any of that shit. All those things, the moment I make those sort of structures in my mind, it instantly blocks out vast swaths of energy. 
And so the whole time you're looking for the guy who looks like Osho, you know what I mean? You might walk by a guy who's just sweeping the sidewalk. Mm-hmm. And that could be fucking Jesus. You know, yeah. that could be like the leader of the Illuminati. That could be like someone who is so super advanced, but also polite and notices you going by. He's like, well, he wants to find Jesus right now. So let him go look for somebody that looks like that. And and because that's what he's into right now. So, yeah, I think learning how to, at the very least, for a second, put all that stuff down. Mm-hmm. Whoa, it feels good. It's a weight. Yeah. All of the things you expect things to look like, all of the ways that you expect things to be. Honestly, I don't know if you ever get this deep with it, but sometimes I'll like try not to be able to read anymore. Drop that, the ability to put letters together. Drop the ability to like, look, so I could see like English and not know that's an A or a B or a C. Just see it as the geometric, like weird, like, you know, Cyrillic. Just see it as that without even, like, how deep can I go underneath my overlays of language or what color that is or gender or any of it, you know, and just be in that place before the overlays. That's a very powerful place. Mm-hmm. That, that's the, that's the, the gap. That's the place that you can drop into where it is just this before language Woo, that's a powerful place and it also is a very liberating place to be for me yeah. personally yeah you know because it's a fucking you know oh, i'm 46 how many times a day do i say that to myself or you know what i mean i've got one testicle how many times a day do i say that shit or you know all the stuff that the bleh, meanness for a second when you put that down oh man that's freedom and I think that is the place you work from. That's the place where you can really start, you know, ex- doing wild things if that's what interests you. Yeah. And it, Listen, I want you to, uh, we're, I am running out of time here. There's pretty soon there's going to be a screaming toddler within moments, I think. And that's uh, manifesting that, I guess. But, uh, but I wonder if you could leave people with, you have encountered some of the most successful artists, most successful musical artists, of our time you are the man literally like in you and i love your humility with it but whoa like the the various things that you've achieved in your life are wild what are what are just some a few pragmatic things you can give some of the people listening right now who feel completely stuck right and this is the fucking pandemic man comedy no one's doing comedy everyone feels trapped gummed up stuck in their house or freaked out give us some wisdom that we can carry with us into the next few days uh, i mean it, 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 it's difficult i mean from from me i don't uh, again we have to uncondition the conditioning of of everything you please learn please it takes time it takes time repro- it's almost if you were born if you could be born today what would you do differently and i would i would <clears> say, <throat> say everyone please live your truth you know you're thinking something but say something else that is conflicting in the universe that is you know unmanifest that is not bringing the things that you want that's why we can't dis- distinguish what manifestation is please live your truth um the reason why artists are some of the biggest artists in the world are so successful is because they're so emotional and emotion thought drives emotion emotion drives the action which when you when you have thought and emotion together with action that shit comes to you it's so intense it's uncontrollable the difference is we we fight our emotions we should accept them they are here they just just love them they, they this is what we're here for we're here to emote we're here to feel we're here to feel pain we're here to feel love we're here to feel anger we're here to feel success this is why we're here to feel 
question your your anxieties until they are no longer an anxiety. Why are you feeling the way you're feeling? Yes. You know, um, question it, question it and question it and question. I understand, you know, there's people who have no money. There's people who have no food. Like I get, I, I, I had that. I had all of those things. Um, you just have to believe that you have the power to make any change that you can. Fucking love it, man. Thank you so much. Thank you were so generous with your time. Thank you so much, man. I, I just hope we get to carry on this conversation, even if it's not in a podcast form. Thank you for this download. Uh, really, in the last download too, we had only chatted. Yeah, this has been a, a dream for me. Like I'm, I'm, I'm in awe. So thank you so much. Thank you. And please, could you tell people where to find you? Um, in my fields, is, 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 uh, I mean, is it's just at Lou Alshama. I mean, L-O-U-L-C-H-A-M-A-A. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm Across the board. Yes. Brother, uh, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. All the links you need to find Lou are going to be at DougAtrussell.com. Thank you so much for this. Love you. Appreciate, appreciate it. Thank you. Love you back. Thank you. That was Lou Alshamat. Check out the podcast he does with Noah Cyrus in my fields. It's wonderful. And a big thank you to ExpressVPN and Squarespace for sponsoring this episode of the DTFH. If you're looking for offer codes for any of our sponsors, they're going to be at DougAtrussell.com along with links for you to find today's guests. And don't hesitate to head over to Patreon.com forward slash DTFH and join your true family. I love y'all so much. Thank you for listening to this podcast and I'll see you next week. We got some serious guests coming. Until then, Hare Krishna.